he is immortal. Born in the highlands of Scotland 400 years ago, he is not alone. There are others like him, some good, some evil. For centuries, he has battled the forces of darkness with holy ground, his only refuge. He cannot die unless you take his head and with it his power. In the end, there can be only one. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. Welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 3, Episode 15, Starcrossed. And here to talk with you about it as we are every week, I'm your host Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and with me, as always, is Audie. Audie, how are you this week? Doing all right, man. A little, little sore and tired from got my booster, but, uh, you know, not too bad. No, it's good. It's good. Rather rather sore and tired from that than uh, beat down and, and roughed up from COVID, so... Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm a little bit sore myself. I started uh, deciding it was time to do even just some light workouts at home, but I'm so woefully out of shape that uh, my shoulders are <laughs> screaming at me. Uh, I just gotta. I, I just gotta make it through uh, the next couple of days, and it should be smooth sailing. It's just those first few days nice. of of roughness that I'm dealing with. <clears throat> um. So yeah. So uh, we're continuing uh, from last week's episode. This is one of the few rare times we have had in the series where an episode leads directly into the following week. Yeah. And yeah. even had a last week on Highlander at the beginning. It did. Uh, which was right at the edge of how long I want that to be before I'm like, all right, can we just get into the episode already? So yeah, it was, I timed it. It was four and a half minutes. I, that was a little long for my taste, yeah. but yeah, as we've said before with a syndicated show like this, you kind of need that. Cause there's no telling when these episodes are going to air. That's true. Yes. So in that case where we've, we've given them, we've kind of raked them over the coals before for reusing footage and like back flashbacks and stuff when they, they're stretching out a, a thin plot. Um, that's a good point though. They need that little bit of extra time because you may not have seen, you know, the um, previous episode right before this one. And when that happens, you know, you, you got to do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, they did a good job. So oh, definitely not too terribly. No, it was, it was well paced, um, which is fine. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think uh, before we kind of break down the plot and what happened in this episode, um, we do have a Watcher Chronicle. I say we give it a listen. Nice. Yeah. All right, here it is. February 27, 1995. Dawson informed me that McLeod is out of town for a while. Apparently, this business with Callus resulted in Dr. Anne Lindsay witnessing the Highlander fall to his apparent death. She doesn't know about his immortality, and it would seem he doesn't want her to know. Which means I've been asked to follow McLeod to Paris to keep an eye on him for now. Such is the life of a watcher, but... I suppose there are far worse places I could have to go. After landing in Paris, I saw that McLeod was met at the airport by none other than Hugh Fitzcairn. I've read some of the older chronicles about these two. Hard to wrap my head around the idea of two people knowing one another for over 300 years like they have. If I had to guess, I don't think my time in France is going to be boring, that's for sure. So after a quick recap of last week's episode, um, we get Duncan arriving in Paris. And who's there to meet him? Mm -hmm. It's Fitzcairn. 
Which yeah, is, is funny because he, Duncan gets the buzz and turns around and Fitz is right there behind him. Like, how did he not feel him before that? I don't know, but whatever. That's fine. I don't care. Fitz gives him a little bit of the business about leaving uh, the States and kind of why and sort of like, oh, oh, a friend saw you die. What's her name type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then they head off. Uh, Fitz takes him, is taking him on the back roads, as he says, uh, and driving rather erratically, too. Um, yeah. And they they kind of they catch up in the car. Um, Fitz has stayed around in Paris, which Duncan notes is not usual for him. He usually doesn't stay in one place for very long, but it's because he's met a woman. Her name is Naomi, mm-hmm. and he met her at Le Cordon Bleu, where he's teaching, and uh, and much to Duncan's amusement, he's teaching cooking. And uh, yeah. while they are talking, while they're catching up, as you know, Fitz keeps driving more and more erratically. But then another car comes up, hits him from behind, and then tries to run him off the road. And there's a, a little bit, of, and it's not really a car chase so much as it's kind of a a car collision thing until they finally get run right off of another car and flipped up on the on the roof. Yeah. Credit to the show here. The stunt work for that was really good. Um, I actually was, was very impressed with the stunt driving that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they might only have three cars there, but they were getting close and, yeah. and they were moving at a good speed. It wasn't sped up footage. The, the shot where the car's coming up and the guy has to jump out of the way of it the last second. Also really good. Cause that car got close to that dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. And then it skidded. You know, on he's a stunt. Like, Ooh, that was oh close. yeah. And then of course it skids on its roof for, uh, like a quarter of a mile, which was awesome. <laughs> so after getting a taxi uh, and heading back to the barge, Maurice is there and he meets Fitz for the first time. They have a, a fun little exchange. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, Maurice got Are the you barge. English? Yeah. Are you sure you're English? <laughs> uh, Maurice got the barge back for Duncan, um, much to Duncan's surprise, I guess. But also he's questioning what he had to do in order to get it. Um <laughs> I, I kind of enjoyed that a little bit too, where it's like Maurice yeah, that is was like, funny, but... eh, I told them money was no object. And Duncan's like, you told them what? Yeah. I didn't quite understand that. Like, does that mean Duncan's paying for his boat again? Like what happened? there? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure, but um, they have lunch. And but it was. Have... A yeah. And after lunch, Fitz is still going on about Naomi while simultaneously kind of <laughs> grilling Duncan about, about Anne, about his love life, about what she meant to him, this, that, and the other thing. The the thing about this scene that I noticed the most that I really enjoyed is that it is a long walk and talk as one mm-hmm. take. And I appreciate that. Um, it's obviously easier and cheaper to shoot one long take as long as your actors can get their, their lines down. And right. Um, but I, I appreciated that because it was just a nice moment of like just these two guys talking and mm-hmm. and going on and on and it's one long unbroken take um so i, I appreciated that well F- fitz just wants duncan to be happy that's all he he's he is so right. happy and so enthralled with naomi and he just wants the same thing for duncan so he takes him to meet her takes him to uh, the academy and while they're there in the kitchen naomi's ex is there as well and he wants her back and he doesn't mm. like fitz at all so there's a bit nope. of a scrap in the kitchen, uh, which was pretty funny, including Duncan taking an errant fist from Fitz. Because you have to wonder how many times that's happened in their in their friendship. 
Right. Because <laughs> it definitely wasn't the first time. And you can tell just by the way Duncan reacts to it. So, oh, Dun- yeah. yeah, Duncan breaks that up. Um, and it leads into our first flashback, which had a really good transition into the flashback, by the way. I was very impressed. Yeah, I did. They, what they did was they dressed a table in the academy and they set it up to be the same as the table they were using in the flashback close up so that they could just yeah. shoot Duncan's hand come off the table. And like, I was really impressed by that one. That's one of the better ones we've seen mm-hmm. because it looked just it yeah. looked smooth. It was seamless. Yeah, very much. So we get our flashback when, when we come back from it, um, we see, we see Fitz and Naomi and they're, you know, they're, they're giggling, they're flirting, they're doing their thing. Meanwhile, Patrick, the ex is storming back in only this time he brings mm. a gun. And he threatens Fitz in the school with a gun in front of Naomi. Um, uh, Rules are a little more lax in Paris, apparently. So yeah, I guess so. And good job, Patrick. And and Patrick, obviously not knowing that Fitz is an immortal, Fitz not being afraid of a a gunshot, also kind of knows Patrick's not going to shoot him at the same time. Like he just Mm -hmm. he can tell. He know he knows the type. And if you've been around as long as him, you you would. So yeah, he takes him down, scares the crap out of him. Uh, and as Patrick is leaving, we see Callus, and he takes Patrick aside. Patrick's like, I don't know who you are. And he goes, no, but you will. Um, mm-hmm. So then we see uh, Fitz and Duncan, they are out having coffee. Fitz needs some help. Um, it seems that the guy who helped him to get the teaching position at Le Cordon Bleu has had to leave the country and Fitz needs Duncan's help in um, editing his records. We'll say. So of course they have to break into the school and get Mm -hmm. on the computer because Fitz lied about his credentials in order to get the job, obviously. Um, But as it turns out, he didn't just lie to get the job. He also told Naomi a few things that he needs to prove. So that's a that's again one of those like, what? That's it's another one of those real fun moments between Fitz and Duncan. Um mm-hmm. but it ends up with uh after they leave, Fitz gets a phone call that night from Callis, doesn't know who he is, just a gravelly voice on the phone, telling him he knows what right. he is and he's going to expose him. So Fitz has to go back to the school. He gets there and he finds the computer and everything changed on it again, but also Patrick who's dead. Yeah. And, and just then Naomi walks in and finds Fitz with Patrick who's dead. So of course she's upset with him. He's trying to explain to her and then the, sh- the police show up. So he does the only thing he can. He runs, he runs and he jumps out the window <laughs> and conveniently lands yeah, on a bunch like, of cardboard boxes. Lucky dude. Yeah. Um, so Fitz runs, obviously, gets out of there, heads for the barge, lamenting the fact that his life is basically over here. This this version of Fitz in Paris, it's a, it's done. He can't go back. Um, mm-hmm. He's very upset about this. He really he did really care for Naomi, and that was that was really hammered home in in dialogue earlier on was how much she meant to him, how he had felt lonely and didn't realize how lonely he felt until he met her type of thing. She was kind right. of changing his views um, on just life in general. And now all that's taken away from him. 
Mm-hmm. Duncan realizes it was Callus that did it. And as they're having that realization, the police show up at the barge. Why? Because they got a tip that that's where they could find Hugh. Yeah. So Duncan. Well, Duncan and who is in the picture now? Oh, yeah. Richie showed up. Yeah, Richie's there. And, uh, and Richie is there because he is getting ready to do some motorcycle racing in uh, in the French Grand Prix um, after mm-hmm. doing, doing stuff stateside. So Duncan gets Fitz off the boat, um, tells him to go out the back, hop in the river. I'll meet you later on. Um, Fitz hands him his pipe before he leaves, saying, you know, the water messes it up. You can give it to me later. Takes off. Mm-hmm. That was... Wink, wink. Yeah. So after Duncan kind of brushes off the cops, like, I don't know who you're talking about. He's not here, blah, blah, blah. I've got to leave. Um, but Richie can help you out. Uh, he leaves <laughs> and he goes to find Fitz. And Fitz has gotten out of the um, out of the water under the tunnels where you told uh, Duncan he would meet him. And Duncan isn't the one that meets him. It's Callus. Callus had been following him the whole time. <laughs> Fitz is rightfully pissed at him for taking away what he considers the best life he's ever had. Um, and oh, yeah. they fight, uh, Callus and Fitz have a fight. Duncan shows up partway through the fight, but Fitz, you know, Hugh tells him this is mine. Leave, leave it. Um, mm-hmm. and sadly Callus takes more from Fitz mm-hmm. and I will be honest. I completely forgot that that happened in this episode. I I had forgotten yeah. that Fitz gets killed by Callus here, and it's a it was a bummer. Mm-hmm. It's a real bummer for me. But Duncan does um, go to challenge Callus, who's uh, you know just had a quickening, and Callus makes manages to make an escape and tells him that things aren't over, and that's where we end the episode. Callus uh, gets away. Fitz is Fitz is gone, and Duncan is bummed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was, I had completely forgotten that, that bit at the end. Um, yeah. and, and as soon Same. as, as soon as they started fighting, my brain realized, oh crap, they foreshadowed this with Fitz handing off his pipe to Duncan and saying, get this to me later. And I should have seen it yeah. coming. I should have remembered that, but I didn't. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, uh, mm. um, but we have some special guests to talk about. I think we should do that. Yeah, let's. I met her at the Cordon Bleu. You're learning to cook? <laughs> Don't be so silly. <laughs> no, I teach. I'm also writing a cookbook. Special guests this week. Um, we have David Robb back as Callus um, returning. He's not. Right. He's not on screen a whole lot. No. Which again was something that I didn't remember in this episode. Honestly, it makes it works better for this episode. Um, oh yeah, in a lot of ways, and I well, think, he doesn't need to be on screen. That's right, he doesn't. Like we know who he is, we know how he works behind the scenes. He doesn't need to be on screen that much, doing too much. No, um, in fact, I mean, you don't even see him till at least halfway through the episode when he um, confronts mm-hmm. Patrick, and <coughs> pardon me. It works. It works well. He's still, you know, he's still doing the exact same thing he was doing uh, the previous week, which was just simply being a bad dude. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. what he ends up doing is a lot of behind the scenes hurting of Duncan through Fitzcairn. And right. 
And then he swoops in at the end and he does the worst thing he can, which is he takes fits. And, mm-hmm. and as the, the, the reason that it works so well is because so much of the episode was dedicated to Hugh Fitzcairn and him and Duncan's right. relationship. All the mm-hmm. flashback is between uh, Fitz and Duncan. So then Callus just kind of swoops in after taking away Anne, after taking away Seacover, and and everything that was going on there, and then suddenly he just shows up and he he follows Duncan to Paris and he takes away Fitz. Mm-hmm. So it's who, besides Richie, is probably the most of a best friend Duncan has had throughout the series mm-hmm. as an immortal. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, it's it's good work by David Robb, um, and he's obviously going to be back. So. We'll have more of that. Right. The star of the episode, though, Roger Daltrey, uh, Hugh Fitzcarran. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've seen him once before. I had forgotten completely, as I said, that Fitz dies in this episode. And it's only his second episode. It's only the second time we've seen him because um, we saw him in The Hunters. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. then we see him here. And what's amazing about that is it's only his second episode, and yet the relationship between him and Duncan is fantastic. And credit yeah. credit has to go to Roger Daltrey for how well he plays this character. He just, Absolutely. just nails it. It's so good. He's mm. carefree. He He's lovable. He's affable. And, and you just believe that he is this character. Mm-hmm. And then the chemistry between... Daltrey and Adrian Paul is so good. There's so many great moments between them and and just easy friendship. And it had to have been a cool, kind of a cool experience for Adrian Paul to be able to work with Roger Daltrey because even, Oh yeah. Even at this point, Roger Daltrey was a big deal. Like the who. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. I like, fits a lot as a character and I liked that we were seeing a little different side to him. We got to see the fun loving one in the past, which is what we which right. is what we knew of him from the previous episode, from the Hunters episode. He was mm-hmm. you know, he was always talking about all oh, the women of the world, you know, this and that. And now here he is wanting to settle down, wanting to be with just this yeah. one woman, wanting to kind of corral himself and sort of just calm down a little bit. And he's extremely happy. And it was great because it was believable. It didn't feel forced to me. Right. He, he just seemed like that's what he wanted. Yeah. I just, I wonder if the this episode, the hunt one that he did, were just super replayed. Because I, I, in my head, I'm like, dude, he's all over this show. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's in a bunch of episodes. He's all over the place. And it's like, second episode, I'm like, what the heck? Dude. <laughs> Yeah, this does not match my memory, but I'm I'm pretty sure that both of these got replayed a lot. Um and then mm-hmm. he does come back as a version of Fitz in the finale. He's sort of mm-hmm. the um cuz the finale is kind of a it's a wonderful lifestyle thing. And so he's sort right. of the angel in that talking to Duncan. Um I remember that. But yeah, I I'm like yeah. you. I remembered him in a lot more episodes for some reason. So it must have just been seeing those over and over. It's funny, I was reading up on this episode and they were talking about I think it was one it was some kind of wiki where they it was the writers talking about how they were gonna do this episode and in order for it 
to matter, they had to have someone like Fitz be the one that Callus kills. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, it's Roger Daltrey. He's got all the music stuff to do. It'll be fine if we just kill him off. Not knowing that he liked the character a lot, and he came up to him and was like, so, how much more are we going to do? And they're like, we're, we're kind of killing you off this episode, dude. It's like, really? It's like, sorry. How much like, more are we going to do? Will, well, uh, you see it, the pages you have there? Though That's that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, like, I just wonder if he had, you know, shared with them before that, and they were like, well, let's keep him around if he wants to keep doing this. Frickin' Roger Street, come on. Yeah. So it, it's just funny the way it ended up. But yeah, like you said, he just killed it. And like, I, I think the most important thing is his chemistry with Adrian Paul. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And the way they are on screen together just knocks it out of the park. And I think that's credit to both Roger Daltrey coming in as an actor, mm-hmm. not just some celebrity singer, which we've had. And everybody's done pretty good work, but Roger Daltrey really kills it. And then Adrian Paul, yes, I'm willing to bet he's probably a fan of the Who and probably, mm-hmm. you know, uh, geeking out a little bit over Roger Daltrey on set. But both of them able to put those things aside and, you know, channel these characters so well together. Just, yeah. which makes it so sad that this is his last episode as fits for the most part. Yeah, the, the ease with which the two of them come off as friends and friends for a long time is just a testament to their mm-hmm. chemistry together and also their acting ability. Uh, both yeah. of them just do a great job with it. And it's just Daltrey's Daltrey has a really great charisma anyway, mm-hmm. but he all, and, and I don't feel like this character is that far off from kind of his, it feels like a natural personality for him in a lot of ways. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that helps too. But it, yeah, it's just great, and and seeing them both present day and the stuff in the past when they first because we get to see their first meeting, <laughs> um, and and how the friendship formed, and I really really enjoyed that. We'll kind of talk about that a little bit more here in the flashbacks, but yeah, Roger Daltrey, mm-hmm. awesome, just just great. Yeah. And while David Robb's not on screen very much, his presence is felt, and he makes the most of the amount of time that he's on screen through his actions mm-hmm. by doing what he did and taking what he did from Duncan. So, right, really good stuff. And then again, all the other little bit players throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Just you know, one of those episodes where everybody does their job perfectly as well as they can, not over dramatically, not underperforming, but just doing it really good to make everything else. Like this is one of those episodes where everybody is up to the same cal- caliber and doing yep. stuff so well, and makes this episode work so well. Yeah. It will take but a moment to dispose of this fop. Dress like that, who are you calling a fop? So our flashback, it, it's one flashback broken up into three parts. Um, and it takes place mm. in Italy in 1637. So we have a very young Duncan MacLeod. Um, right. He hasn't been an immortal for that long. And uh, this is actually interesting because this is just a little bit, uh, it's like, 20 years before the monastery from the previous episode. Right. So a lot, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, what we're seeing um, is sort of the precursor to why he ended up where he did. I'm, I'd be very curious right. to hear the story of what happened in those 20 years because he didn't learn to read even though he wanted to. Right. Um, so what, and what they kept really him from that? And they really play that up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I enjoyed these these flashbacks quite a bit. Number one, they got a really cool-looking mm-hmm. set um, for that castle and kind of town that they could use. It was somewhere in France, I'm pretty sure, yeah. but it could easily pass for, for Italy. Um, sure. The costuming was good. Uh, I thought the costuming looked great, including a, a great joke about it where um, Fitz calls him a fop, and he says, dressed like that, who are you calling a fop? Like, that... That was really yeah. funny. I loved, I loved Fitz's costume. Like it just looked awesome. Mm. But I also yeah. liked. It was an interesting little little side story where, because Fitz is the womanizer, right? So of course, um, you have Duncan is employed by a local prince, I think, a local dignitary of some type, and he's right. employed in order to find out who sent this love letter to his daughter. And as the as mm-hmm. the man puts it, took his daughter's virtue or is trying to or whatever. And so right. it's Duncan's job to find that out and kill the man. That's the prince. The prince wants him dead. Can we just say it's funny how much they use the word virtue? <laughs> yes. In play. Uh, virginity. Like, that's how they said it. It's just like, yeah, I must. Rem- virtue must remain intact <laughs> for whatever reason, you know. You know, but, uh, ar- arbitrary yeah. reasons. Uh, yeah. I so so Duncan. He's given the love note, which he can't read, so he takes it mm-hmm. to the town scribe, who takes him for two pieces of gold in order to read it for him, um, so that Duncan can find mm-hmm. out where they're going to meet. So, and which is a funny uh, a funny bit that gets um, gets replayed uh, a little bit later, and I, right. I liked that. So, Duncan. Meets up, finds out who it is, sees it as Fitz. They have their little verbal sparring match. Uh, they they essentially tell the girl to to head off um, because she doesn't need to see what's going to go on. They start to duel. They start to fight because that's what they do. Not only is it Duncan's job, but also as immortals. Right. And while they're fighting, a town guardsman from up above is like, Hey, you two, no dueling. Can't you read? And he points them to a sign. And they both look at it. And neither one of them wants to admit they can't read, so they're both like, "Yeah, sure, we can read just fine. It's great. All right, well, we'll stop." Any simpleton can read this. <laughs> so it comes out that neither of them can read, and right. And the joke about that was great because uh, Duncan's holding the letter, and Fitz is like, "I paid the town scribe a shilling or you know a gold piece to write that for me," and. Right. <laughs> And then Duncan's response is, but he charged me too to read it. And then you just see the look on Fitz's face where he catches Duncan and Duncan's like, ah, crap. I love that. Yeah. Insert Spider-Man meme of both pointing at each other. Yes. Oh, it was, it was great. Um, and then the, the second time or the, the final time that we come to the flashbacks, Duncan, uh, the, the girl has come home or no, She's left because Duncan tells Fitz, all right, look, we can, we can hang out. It's fine. I don't have to kill you. Stay away from the girl. And Fitz is like, on my honor, I will not go to the palace. <laughs> Clever way to get around that because the girl went to him. Yeah. The daughter went to yeah, Fitz. Duncan finds them. And it's, <laughs> it's easily my favorite exchange in the entire thing because they get up to talk and they yes. go... They go away from the bed to to have their discussion, and they're behind the curtain. And mm-hmm. Duncan's like, "You you you know, you took her virtue," because uh, they keep saying that. And I love Fitz's reaction. He's like, 
I wasn't anywhere that hasn't already been explored. Duncan's like, what do you mean? Look, <laughs> I'm old enough to know, okay? And then they pull the curtains back, and she's just like looking back at him, kind of like, hey, hey. And they keep, it, it felt <laughs> almost like, a, like some Abbott and Costello type of humor going on. Uh-huh. In a lot of ways, but I love that she was totally unashamed about it. Yeah, oh, and yeah. then the the cherry on top was uh, Fitz going. She even taught me a thing or two. <laughs> yes, I was just like, oh my god, oh my gosh. Yes, well done, writers. That was so good. Um, and so Duncan's like, all right, all right, fine. I'll take her back. They're on their way back when the prince's men show up and say, we're mm-hmm. going to kill him and take his head back to the prince. That's what the prince wants. Because Fitz was ready to go with them until he heard that. Like, what's the worst that could happen? They'll right. kill me and then I'll be fine. And they're like, we'll take mm-hmm. your head back to the prince. He's like, oh, whoa, whoa, hold on now. So right. Duncan thinks on his feet and is like, all right, we're going to fight again. So they they duel again because Duncan's mm-hmm. like, I need my satisfaction. You know, he's disgraced me as well as. It's really smart, like really quick thinking by Duncan, honestly. Um, especially for as young as he's really supposed to be in this. Um I was right. kind of impressed by that, but I do like how they're they're talking to each other as they're dueling, and Fitz is like, so when do we run? And then he stabs him in the back, and he's like, good plan. <laughs> and <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah, and they, they end things the next, you know, a little later on when Fitz wakes back up um, as mm. friends, but they decide they have to leave town. Right. So, and that ends the flashback. They, they are friends. They're going to head off and maybe learn to read and write. Yeah. Well, Duncan does eventually. Oh, no, not a governor. Maybe the president. Brilliant. Yes, chef to Harry Truman. Truman died 40 years ago, Fitz. Well. So, no Anne. Um, and we kind of knew that was going to happen because Duncan's in Paris. Now he had to leave her. Uh, Joe hasn't made the trip to Paris yet. At least we haven't seen him. Um. But partway through the episode, Richie's there. He's just there. Yeah. Um, showing some uh, some footage from his race in Long Beach where he finished third. And he's super hyped about it. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's just a great little scene that tells you a lot about their friendship and how much Duncan not only still looks at Richie as like a little brother in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but he's looking at him as a little brother that's growing up. And I loved it because Richie's right. he's sort of telling him like, hey, look you know, motorcycle racing is a, is a very public thing and it's pretty dangerous. And Richie's Richie to his credit is smart. He's like, look, I can race for like five, 10 years before anybody thinks anything about it. You know, if he's smart, mm-hmm. because and this is my first go round. So I don't have a history that somebody's going to find and figure me out. Exactly. And, um, and Duncan's like, well, I guess then good luck. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a very hand wavy, uh, fashion to get Richie to Paris but it works. He wants to go to the world stage for motorcycle racing. That's enough reason for him. And to I think that. it's, it's smart enough riding to be like, yes, it's hand wavy, but they make it fit because he's getting into racing. And they, you know, they had those nuggets in the previous episode of mm-hmm. him starting to get into. It. So going forward with that and pushing that, it's like, okay, it's the same thing with Joe's bar. How do we get a place where they can all come and hang out? Well, what if just, well, it's a bar that they go hang out at. Yep. Well, how do we get Richie over across the world? What if he's into racing and there's a race over there? Okay. Yeah. That fits. You know, somebody who's really into motorcycling could probably nitpick that and be like, there's no way he'd go from America to the whatever. But to everybody watching a show about people cutting each other's heads off, they're not going to care that much. 
That's true. They're going to go with it. No, it works. And it works for me. Sure. And and really, end of the day, I just want Richie there. I don't care. Otherwise, right. like, he just needs to be mm-hmm. there. I, whatever reason mm-hmm. you want to manufacture to get him there, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. <coughs> and and Maurice is back. And Maurice is back and yeah. as lovable as ever. Uh, it was fun. He's He's used to the perfect amount here where he doesn't yeah. overstay his welcome. He shows up. He has a couple of funny mm-hmm. moments. I really liked the exchange between Maurice and Fitz and Duncan as they're going on to the barge because he's talking about food. Yeah. Fitz being a cooking instructor now and actually learning how to cook starts to say a few things too. And Maurice <laughs> is like, oh, yes. Oh, that's brilliant. Are you sure you're English? Like, and <laughs> I really enjoyed that. And then, you know, Maurice shows up right at the end uh-huh. in, in typical, like, want want fashion where he's all excited and stuff and you got a very upset and sad Duncan so but it, it was great to see Maurice back he was he didn't overstay and it wasn't too much yeah so no, it's, it was. it's good stuff uh it'll be nice to get Joe back they'll they'll figure out a way to get him into Paris and and have him there of course yeah because you can't have can't have too long without Joe did he start in Paris he did not. He started at the beginning of season two in Seacover. Okay. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, but, you know, Richie's not a lot of screen time for Richie, but good screen time for Richie. Yeah. Plus, it was great having him uh, deal with the detective or the inspector. Because oh, that gosh, was where we yes. got to see... Part of me... <laughs> we got to see that version we, of Richie's like, hey... We... Yeah, he turned it on a little bit. It was funny because she popped up, and I was like, "Are they trying? They trying to be like that last inspector before they left? That was kind of you know another inspector, female. You know, you got to appreciate that. Even in the '90s, they were like, "Yeah, screw it, female can be inspector, whatever." Uh-huh. But uh, I wonder if it was like the other actress. They wanted the other actress. She's like, "Can't do it." I'm like, no, nah, just get another actress. Yeah, I don't know. I, I but it works. Let's make sure she's very attractive so that she can hit on her. Yeah. Plus, as a great, he's like, hey, you want to see my race? Like, that's all he could think of to, <laughs> to try and distract her with. It's awesome. Yeah. She even showed me a thing or two. Really? Yes, do you know she can take Don't. So, sort of a trend that we've been getting is not just a single sword fight in episodes. Um, we're getting a couple of them. And they did that again this time. And I liked that. I liked the stuff in the flashbacks with Duncan and Fitz fighting. Because they were using a very different style, and I thought that was cool. I, I really right. liked the the style of fighting they were doing with two weapons. You know, um, Fitz has a side, Duncan's got the, the dagger. Um, well, it was very much like location and period appropriate, too. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Italy, you know, sword fighting with a sword and a dagger, that was kind of the thing. Yeah, so I, I appreciated that. And then and then our big fight was um, Fitz and Callus, and... Oh, outside of the sad ending to it, it was a good fight. Um, it's dark, yeah. so they mm-hmm. were able to get away with a little bit. Um, it was shot in darkness, and it was shot with a lot more close-ups. Um, and I don't know if that was a thing to hide stunt doubles or not. It's hard to say, because I know Roger Daltrey can fence, and I'm pretty sure David Robb right. can as well. Mm-hmm. Um but I also did notice a couple a couple of shots in the fights with Duncan in the flashbacks that were definite um, stunt doubles. So right. they may have had that too. But overall, like it's a good final fight because mm-hmm. it's not 
it's not pretty. It's not, uh, and it, and, and Fitz was, was angry. And so you, when you fight different when you're angry like that. So I kind of liked that it was a little more, um, uh, barbaric of a fight between the two of them. It's a bummer mm-hmm. that, uh, that he had to kill Fitz. But at the same time, like you were saying, the writers needed, needed that. They needed to do that for him. And mm-hmm. it worked. Um, it definitely yeah. got the emotional reaction out of me, uh, having forgotten mm-hmm. that it was going to happen. So, um, and I liked, uh, Duncan sitting in the background, just like on his knees, just like, Oh, oh ready to get in there. I'm like, oh, oh, just seething and knowing full well, he can't jump in. Like, he knows right. the rules well enough and, that he's not going to. And during the fight and then during the quickening, he's just sitting there, stuff's exploding past him. He's just like, that was a cool oh. shot. That was a that was a great <laughs> yeah. shot seeing that because you know, like that's not a comfortable place to be when you know that there's going to be even little little bits of pyro going off like that. Um, mm-hmm. And the the only thing was they could have they could have had a better exit for Callus. I think in the aftermath, Duncan Duncan sure. shouldn't have been able to get as close as he did, um, and not attack him right away as angry as he is at him. So that's my Mm -hmm. one nitpick. I think throughout the really throughout the whole episode is just that, like there should have been a way for Callus to get away faster. Um, that doesn't feel like Duncan let him get away, but take that out of it. And it's good. This whole episode, I mean, this is just a great, and especially as a follow up to last week's episode where we established Callus as a bad guy. We established that he's going to take things from Duncan and now we get two thirds of this episode is fully centered on Duncan and Fitz and really, mm-hmm. really showing you that bond and that friendship. And then to have him taken away from us right at the end like that is right. a big time uh-huh. bummer. So mm-hmm. it, it did, it did its job of following up what we just saw with more and, and higher stakes and more intensity and a big gut punch at the end of it. And mm-hmm. it's it's left on a cliffhanger without like a just straight to be continued um, on the screen. Right. But it's a definite cliffhanger and we know Callus is going to be back. So, mm-hmm. For sure. You know, it's it's good At stuff. Better be. Well, I mean, we know just because we've seen episodes, but, but it, it's a pretty good bet right. that if an immortal, especially an evil immortal, doesn't die, they're coming back at some point. There's very few of them that, right. that make it off um, and don't mm-hmm. reoccur, you know, you know, occur again. Um, so right. yeah, this is, this is a just good. It's a good episode. We, we mm-hmm. have gotten past, at least for now, the episodes you can skip. You really want to watch. And it's worth watching these back to back. Yeah, absolutely. Just because they flow into each other so well. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I very, very much enjoyed it. Now next week, next week is the episode that I've been waiting for since season three started. Um, and <laughs> all I'm going to say is the title of the episode is Mythos. And that's it. That's all we need. We're not going to say anything else. Um, very excited. If you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Now we do this show... Um, on Tuesday nights, we actually record live. If you want to hang out and be like Ace in the chat or Matuba or uh, Ryla Dune, you can. You can hang out. You can uh, you can talk to us about uh, Joe needing to open up his own ser- oh, 
you know, franchise worth of bars so you can follow Duncan around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, or, <laughs> or yell at me for my pronunciations of things because apparently I can't say right. Antoine. You know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, you can do that. It's twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. Uh, Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can hang out with us and uh, and watch the show get recorded. And then you can hear in, and you can always hear the podcasted form, the, the edited down version um, on uh, Thursdays at uh, anchor.fm slash Let's Watch Highlander or anywhere that you get podcasts. It's great. Now, Audie, I got to say once again, you killed it with this week's art. Um, of <laughs> course, you're going to draw fits. Of course. I had what, to. What I loved, though, as I was looking at the picture more and more, you got the you got one small detail in the picture that just tickled me, and that was the two rings he wears on his middle and ring finger, where he's holding the pipe. Yeah, because you, you don't see them, but but for a couple of shots that you really see until, and then when you watch it, you realize, mm-hmm. no, he's always got those on. That was such a cool little detail in that picture. So I really dug that. Um, yeah, I was rewatching it and I saw that. Like, okay, got to put that in because that's how I am. Yeah, absolutely. It's good stuff. And uh, and people can find that on uh, your Twitter, right? You put them on Twitter, you put them up uh put them up on the internet. Where mm-hmm. what what's your where's your Twitter again? Let people know. Uh my Twitter is oddly normal one with the one spelled out. Uh, and then I'll try to throw it up on Instagram later too. Uh Instagram is just Audie A U D I E underscore Norman. Yeah. It's good stuff. I'm I'm digging them every week. Uh and I've made Depending on your podcatcher, you may be seeing the artwork as the album art for per episode. Um, it just depends on kind of yeah. how they catalog them. I put it up that way, but some of them, uh, I know Pocket Casts is the one that I use, doesn't doesn't put the the different episode art, which bums me out. But I think yeah. most of the other ones do. It all depends on kind of how they how they grab the RSS feed. But yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I am on Twitter also at uh, TV's Travis TVS Travis. Um, you can talk to either one of us about Highlander or anything you want all the time. Um, yeah, I'm I'm always up for talking with people. Uh, also, um, if you are listening to this show and you're a fan of Film Sack, they are watching Highlander Two: The Quickening this week. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that that's going to be a trip um, because those <laughs> those four chuckleheads talking about Highlander is already funny enough because they've done the first movie and they did yeah. the third movie. Mm-hmm. But they haven't. So done... in true film stack fashion, they do not do anything in order. So. Nope. Nope. And I'm pretty sure neither none of them remember anything about the other two movies at all. Anyway. So. Yeah. Should be interesting. Definitely check that out if you if you like film discussion. Mm-hmm. Film sack is a great show, and and it's more high under content. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. Uh, and if you want to compare, we uh we reviewed that in between seasons. Yes, we did. Ago, so you can find that. In our uh, feed as well. Yeah, go on back and hear our thoughts on Highlander 2, The Quickening. And uh, spoiler alert, they're not great. Um, Although I still contend it's the second worst Highlander movie, which is... Boy. (laughs) If you're saying... If you tell somebody Highlander 2 is not the worst Highlander movie, first of all, they look at you weird because most people don't realize that there Mm -hmm. was more movies. Um, Oh, I loved it. What was it? The film sack... Uh, feed on the frog pants chat when you told somebody there was five of them and they <laughs> lost it. They were like, they made five of those. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. The, it's, it's interesting because the Highlander franchise is a lot more to it than people realize. 
It's just that mm-hmm. quite a bit of it wasn't great. Um, yeah. Unfortunately. But yeah, uh, definitely check out Film Sack. Um, go back and listen to our review of Highlander 2. We did watch yeah. the Renegade Edition, so at least we watched the better, mm. quote-unquote, better version. Um, but, yeah. And they then, said they were watching on Amazon, so I think that's probably what they'll be watching as well. Oh, yeah, that'll be it, too. Um, and, uh, and, and come back next week because we're going to have some fun with this episode. I can tell you already. I got, I got things to say. So until mm-hmm. then, until next week, uh, in episode 16, Mythos, just remember that there can be only one Hugh Fitzcairn. Rest in peace. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>